And then he writes this. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. This is what we believe. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. In other words, we die to self. But they should live for him who died for them and was raised again. So he's telling the Corinthian church and the Epicenturian church who you are and what you believe. Look at verse 16. Verse 16, he goes to a whole nother level. He says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view because we did this once. We regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Verse 17, he establishes something very, very, very important, extremely profound. He says, therefore, if anyone is in who? If anyone is in who, he is a what? The old has what? The new has what? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You see, in verse 14, you become a Christ follower. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You become a Christ follower. In verse 17, he tells you that at that moment... All the junk in your life, all of the filth in your life, all of the past problems, the difficulties, the sin, the shame, all of the guilt, you've been forgiven from that. The the old is now gone and the new has come. You're a new creation. But here's the problem with, with many Christ followers. We don't understand how we can become this new creation. So Paul addresses that in verse 19. Look with me. He says this. He says that God was reconciling himself to the world. Get this. Grab what he's about to say. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And he has committed to us. Who's who's us? Christ followers. He's committed to us. If you're a Christ follower, you're in the us. If you're a Christ follower, Paul is talking to you specifically. He says he has committed to us the message of what? Reconciliation. Now, us. Here's the us. Let me talk to you as a Christ follower for a second because he's saying to you that it's your message, it is your ministry, it is your job, It is your calling. It's not just the pastor's message, ministry, calling, and job. It is yours. As a Christ follower, you're in the us. That means that you have the responsibility of sending out the message of reconciliation. It is your ministry. Listen to me. It is your calling. It is your message. It is your job. Paul is saying this to you here at Epicenter Church today. This is what you're called to do. Let me talk to you for a second about reconciliation so that you understand it. Reconciliation in the Greek simply means this. It means to return someone to the divine. To return someone to the divine. In other words, when someone is apart from God because of sin, um, because of problems, because of difficulty, you should pass out the message of reconciliation. Hopefully they'll see it 
Christ in your life and they'll want what you have. And when that takes place, you will be returning people who are apart from God back into a relationship with God. You see, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. What you're supposed to do is the ministry of reconciliation, to return people back to a right relationship with God. Now, that's good, but in verse 20, it gets better. I want you to look at this. I love this. Verse 20 exploded off the pages at me this week when I read it. And I've read this a hundred times before, but for some reason, this one word just jumped off. Look at verse 20. Paul writes, we are, therefore, he's about to tell you who you are. He kind of went in reverse order. He told you what your job description was. He told you how to do it. Now he's going to tell you who you are. We are, therefore, Christ's We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now get this, as though God were making his appeal through us. Hold on a second. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God is making his appeal through us. How incredible is that? And then he goes on to say, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to, to God. Now, I want you to just hang loose here with me for a second. Because what's going on here, the whole theme of the New Testament is that Christ came from heaven to earth so that we could go from earth to heaven. Christ came to bridge the gap between God and humanity. He came to save those who were lost. He came to heal those who were sick. He came to minister to those who were down and out. He came to fix broken relationships. And just before he ascended to heaven, he said, now I want you to go and do the same thing. Paul's picking up on this. And Paul says this to us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now, this is heavy. Let me unpack this term ambassador for you. Because it means the same thing today that it meant 2,000 years ago. We are therefore Christ's ambassador. Listen to this concept. First off, he's establishing your authority. He's establishing your significance. He's saying that you as a Christ follower, you have an esteemed position. You have a position of influence. You have a position that should be celebrated. You have this ability to influence great people around you. You see what Paul is saying, and I want you to pay close attention to me today. Today's packaged a little differently. Paul is saying this. You are backed by heaven. When you step out in faith and you go and you begin to do something that all of heaven is backing your faith actions, that's cool. That's awesome. Meaning because you're an ambassador, because God is sending you and through you he is doing the message of reconciliation, that means when you go that all of heaven has your back. Think about this with me for a second. As an ambassador, what does an ambassador do? Well, he's an envoy. He goes from his homeland to a foreign land. And when he leaves his homeland and goes to a foreign land, he is the, the highest ranking diplomat that leaves his country and goes to another country. In other words, you go from one country, your country, to another country, and you tell that country your wishes, what the government of the United States wishes to do and what we want to see done and how we want it to happen. In other words, if I became an ambassador, say, to Saudi Arabia, 
I would go on behalf of the President of the United States and the U.S. government carrying the wishes of our government to Saudi Arabia saying, here are the things that we want. This is what we want to see. I'm representing 300 million people who are at home. They've given me full binding authority to make sure that this happens. That is what Paul is saying to you. That God has sent you from heaven to earth to carry a life-changing message to those that are around you. Your job is you're a Christ ambassador. That's who you are. You're to carry the message of reconciliation to everyone around you. You are representing the kingdom of God. You are representing the king of kings. You are representing the Lord of lords. So here's the deal. How are you doing when it comes to being Christ's ambassador in your relationships? Mm. Think about that with me. As Christ's ambassador, with all of the authority that you have, the message of reconciliation in your mouth, how are you doing in your relationships when it comes to that? Better yet, how are you doing as a dad, fathers, on Father's Day, as a Christ ambassador? How are you doing when it comes to the message of reconciliation? Do your kids see you get mad at people that you don't even know because they cut you off in traffic? Is that the message of reconciliation? (laughs) Dads, how are you doing when it comes to the message of reconciliation, when it comes to being a Christ ambassador in your marriage? Woo! Are you representing Christ in your marriage? I want you to just be honest with yourself for a minute because let me tell you something. Yesterday, Kim and I, we had an argument. We had an argument. Some of you are laughing already. It wasn't a bad argument. It was just a little argument. Guess what? We're human. We're we're made of flesh. We we had an argument. It wasn't really bad. She threw just a few glasses. Totally teasing. Here's the deal. We had an argument over something stupid, dry cleaning. How many of you know sometimes you have arguments over things that absolutely make no sense? And so we are sitting there over lunch, and we're talking about dry cleaning. I thought she took my dry cleaning, and she did take some of my dry cleaning, but she didn't take the things that I wanted to go to the dry cleaners. And so I said, baby, if you went to the dry cleaners, why didn't you take the other stuff that I, you, you, you know it had to be clean? She said, you're a grown-up, ain't you? I, Is somebody else on this stage that I don't see? Looks like they want you to finish the message here, baby. <laughs> well, so I said, well, why didn't you take it? I don't understand it. Why would you take part of it, not all of it? I don't understand that. So it became this argument. Well, you could have taken it. You knew I was going. If you knew I was going, you should have set it out. Well, hold on a second. You know how we do in relationships. We want to point and blame and all that other good stuff. And so that's what was going on. And then last night, I'm sitting there preparing for this message. I'm back in my study, and I'm reading, and I'm praying. And I get to this one part where it says, you're a Christ ambassador in your marriage. And I'm like, uh-oh. I wasn't today. <laughs> and I got convicted. Wow. How about this one? Are you a Christ ambassador in your finances? Mm. Because let me tell you something. If you're not tithing, you ain't representing God. Did I say that? Let me back up. I'm just giving the word. This is not personal opinion. I'm just giving the word today. 
Are you Christ's ambassador in every single area of your life? You see, some of you right now, you're saying, well, hold on, Pastor Mark. You don't understand. I, I'm a, I am a Christ follower, but my life is messed up. I say some stuff that I shouldn't say at times. I get mad at my wife over stupid things. Dry cleaning. I, I, I do things that I shouldn't do. I, in fact, if you were to ask my wife if, if I'm a Christ ambassador, she would say no. If you were to ask my husband if I'm a Christ ambassador, he would say, no, she's not a Christ ambassador. If you would ask my coworkers, they wouldn't think that I'm a, a Christ ambassador, but I'm a Christ follower. I just, I don't get things right here. Here's, let me tell you something. Here's the cool thing. You're not elected by people. You're chosen by God. It doesn't matter what other people think of you. It matters what God thinks of you. Let me help you understand something. You will never please everyone in your life. You won't. It won't ever happen. Can, can, let me just be candid and open and honest with you today. There have been people, not, none of y'all because y'all aren't this way. There have been people who like, you preaching jeans, that's sacrilegious. What? You should be wearing your best before God. And then there are other people who come and send me emails and say, he wears designer jeans and expensive jewelry. Well, hold on a second. I can't win for losing, I, I, you know. Well, what you want me to do here? You cannot, you cannot hold on to what other people think about you because can I tell you something? The wrong they in your life will drag you down and you will never accomplish what God has predestined for you to accomplish. If you're listening to them, you need to listen to him. Do you hear me this morning? The wrong they will do that to you. You see, can I show you something? Turn with me really quick over to John chapter 15, verse 16. John chapter 15, verse 16. Powerful verse where Jesus himself, he addresses this very, 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 this, this issue right here that we're talking about this morning. I need like four hands up here. Hang on. He says this, verse 16 says, you did not choose me. Now, this is if you're a Christ follower, but I chose you, and I did what? I did what? I appointed you to go and bear fruit. I appointed you to go and be a Christ ambassador. Fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Are you grabbing a hold of this? You as a Christ ambassador, that's the authority that God has given to you. He says, I have appointed you. You're not elected by the people. You're appointed by God. That is the deal. God chose you. God chose you because he knows you. Do you hear me this morning? You see, think about Paul who wrote 2 Corinthians. Paul, before Paul became Paul, he was Saul. And do you know what Saul did? Saul went around trying to extinguish Christianity, persecuting Christians, killing Christians, saying things to Christians just so that he could extinguish their voice and extinguish their influence. And then all of a sudden, one day, Paul or Saul came in contact with God and, and Saul became Paul. And then he began to preach the message of reconciliation. What if he'd have listened to what everyone was saying about him? Hold on a second. <laughs> do you remember when you used to do this? He didn't do that. 
You see, that is the, that's what we need to do. God has commissioned you as, a, 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 as an ambassador, as Christ's ambassador, to take the message of the gospel to all of those who are around you every day so that they will be reconciled with God. But here lies the problem. So many Christ followers give in to the lies of the enemy. In fact, many of you in here today, you see yourself as unworthy. You don't think you have enough talent or the ability to do what you're supposed to do. You see yourself as ordinary. That's how you see yourself. Paul could have chosen to have seen himself that way, but no, he didn't. He became an ambassador, and he wrote two-thirds of the gospel. In fact, Paul is probably the second greatest man after Christ to ever walk the face of the earth. He became Christ's ambassador. Here's the deal. So many of us, rather than viewing ourselves as Christ's ambassadors, we view ourselves as the ordinary. In fact, you have had opportunities in your life to make a difference in someone's life, and you didn't take it because you saw yourself as ordinary. Some of you have had opportunities in your life to lead someone to Christ, but you didn't take that opportunity because you saw yourself as ordinary. Some of you have had opportunities to pray for someone, but you didn't take that opportunity because you saw yourself as nothing more than ordinary. Some of you have had opportunities to give in an offering, but you refused to give because you thought it was so little that it would not make a difference. So you thought it was ordinary and you didn't give it. Some of you have had opportunities to help those who were in need, but you know what? You didn't do it because you didn't think you could make a difference because you're ordinary. Some of you have refused to get deeply involved in the church as a servant because you don't think you have anything to offer. You're nothing more than ordinary. Many of you have not broken through the mundane in your life. You have not broken through the mediocrity of life. You haven't tried to work on fixing your marriage, your relationships, your finances, because you are trapped in the ordinary. Do you hear me this morning? You're trapped in the ordinary. You are not doing what God has called you to do. You refuse to step out in faith because you don't think if you step out in faith, God's not going to hear you. You're not going to win. You're not going to succeed because you're nothing more than ordinary. Don't be trapped in the ordinary. In fact, this week I wrote this down in my journal, and now it's a part of my message. I don't know that, I guess God intended that. But I wrote this statement, and I want to share it with you. I hope you're taking notes. And the statement is this, your ordinary perspective will abort your extraordinary opportunities. I want you to grab that for a second. Your ordinary perspective aborts extraordinary opportunities. In fact, let me show you something. Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. You'll see exactly what I mean. Paul knew that it would Verse 16, he said this. He said, from now on, because we're Christ ambassadors, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. A worldly point of view is an ordinary point of view. We regard no one from an ordinary point of view because we once did it with Christ, but we do so no longer. You know what an ordinary point of view is? An ordinary point of view is to see things the way they are as opposed to the way they should be. 
An ordinary point of view is to see things in the natural as opposed to the supernatural. An ordinary point of view is to see things ordinary as opposed to extraordinary. I want to show you something. Flip with me over to Matthew chapter 13. I know we're moving around a lot. Look over at Matthew chapter 13. Because this passage of scripture is the embodiment of aborting the extraordinary because all you can see is the ordinary. Matthew chapter 13. Verses 53 through 58. Jesus is going around from city to city and he's preaching the gospel and he's doing incredible things and people are coming to the realization of who he is and great miracle after miracle. And then look in verse 53. This is what happens. He goes to his own city, his hometown. Now think about this. He knows everybody in his hometown. He knows the Joneses that live at 413 Wayberry Drive. He knows what they need. And he comes to minister. So it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were what? They were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Now, I want you to think about this. In other words, he's doing some incredible miracles here. He's hanging out at the synagogue, and people are like, "Woo!" blown away by this. Can you believe this? And then verse 55, all of a sudden, things begin to change. They say, hold on a second. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And, and aren't his brothers uh, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And aren't all of his sisters with us? When they did this man, or where did this man get all of these things? Verse 57, and they took offense at him. Three verses earlier, they were amazed. Why? Because they saw him in the supernatural. They saw him in the extraordinary. Then they minimized him to the ordinary. And then Jesus says, only in his hometown, in his own house, is a prophet without honor. Verse 58, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Are you grabbing this? You know what they did? They reduced God from the supernatural to the natural. They reduced him from the extraordinary to the ordinary. When you reduce God that way, God will not do the miracles that he or that you need him to do. When you view God in the ordinary way, he's going to not be able to do the supernatural in your life. You see, when you reduce yourself to ordinary, you're going to abort the extraordinary in your life. You know why? Because you're Christ's ambassador. He's called you. He's established you. He's put the ministry in your mouth, the ministry of reconciliation. And when you view yourself as ordinary, you're going to miss the extraordinary opportunities. So here's what we need to do. We need to ignite the ordinary. I want you to follow along with me with this concept. We need to ignite the ordinary. In John chapter 9, Jesus is hanging out with the disciples. He's teaching them how to do ministry. He's showing them how to heal. He's doing all of these miraculous things. And and walking down this one dusty road, he runs into this blind man that the Bible says has been blind since birth. 
They begin to have this conversation about this blind dude. Hey, uh, you know, who, who sinned here? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Is he in sin or did his mother and father sin? And that's why he's in this condition. And so Jesus begins to have this dialogue with, with the disciples about this very condition. And then he steps towards this blind man and he heals him. Now, it's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary healing. This dude probably doesn't have eyes or whatever the case may be, and all of a sudden he has eyes. It's, it's an extraordinary, wonderful miracle that is well documented. But that miracle did not start out with the extraordinary. In fact, Jesus walks up to this dude. He bends down on a dusty road, and he sweeps some dirt, ordinary dirt, into his hand. He looks at this blind dude holding ordinary dirt in his hand and then he spits ordinary spit into his hand. Then he begins to stir this ordinary dirt along with this ordinary spit and then he probably spits again begins to stir it all the more until it becomes ordinary mud. At that particular moment, he takes the mud and he wipes it on the blind dude's eyes. And then he says, now go to the pool of Siloam and wash. The pool of Siloam means scent. Now go. See, here's the deal. Many times we are looking for this huge, extraordinary thing from God. We're looking for this extraordinary thing from God, but we miss sometimes that God is doing things through the ordinary to perform the extraordinary. We're looking for the huge miracle and we're waiting on God and we don't realize that God uses the ordinary to perform the extraordinary. God used ordinary spit, ordinary dirt, ordinary mud to heal this dude. Now think about this with me. If God can use ordinary mud to heal this individual, how much more can God use his ambassador to heal relationships? Come on. How much more can God use his ambassadors to heal finances? How much more can God use his ambassadors to heal marriages? How much more can God use his ambassadors to heal other people? How much more can God use his ambassadors to bring the message of reconciliation? Are you with me here? You see, God, when God gets involved in the ordinary, it becomes extraordinary. That's what happens Can I tell you something? And I don't want to belittle a miracle, but I want to tell you in the simplest form what a miracle is. A miracle is this. It is the right combination of ordinary ingredients coupled with God's extraordinary expertise. That's all it is. It is the right ordinary combination of ordinary ingredients coupled with God's extraordinary expertise. You see, when God's super collides with your natural, sparks fly. Understand this with me. 
I want you to hear me out because I just I want you to not leave this place confused today about any topic, any subject when it comes to being a Christ ambassador. You, you need to realize that, that some of you right now, you think that your situation is overwhelmingly ordinary. But as a Christ ambassador, God is hoping that you will open up your life to him in such a way that you can make that ordinary situation extraordinary. Let me help you understand something here. Some of you right now, maybe, just maybe God has allowed you to go to a doctor's office and the doctor's given you a bad report. That's ordinary. But those that are close to you and around you every single day, have seen how you have trusted in God. They have seen your response in God. And it's caused them to be closer to him. That's extraordinary. You see, some of you are in the nothingness of, of financial ruin. That's ordinary. But some of you, your friends have seen how you have kept the peace during the middle of the storm and it's caused them to see Jesus in you. That's extraordinary. Some of you are in a broken relationship, a marriage that's in ruins, that's you have not a clue as to how to make it right. That's ordinary. But speak the words of God into your relationship. Infuse the very words of God into your relationship and realize restoration. That's extraordinary. Some of you are in a dead-end job. In fact, right now you're thinking about work tomorrow and you do not want to go. You can't stand it. No one at work likes your boss. You, you hate it. You think it's just it's a dead-end situation. That's ordinary. But go to work, labor with excellence, keep your mouth shut when it comes to talking about your boss, let others see Christ in you, that's extraordinary. You see, God will use you in ordinary situations to perform the extraordinary. Why? Because you're his ambassador. So I ask you this morning, who are you? That's my question to you this morning. Who are you? You don't discount the Jesus that's in your life because so many of you right now you have viewed yourself as nothing more than ordinary and because of it you haven't seen the extraordinary fruits of God in your life you see when you know who you are you'll know what to do when you know who you are in Christ you'll know what to do I'm here to tell you today, if God can use mud, if he can use spit, if he can use dirt, he can use you. And he desires to use you to restore, to reconcile, to heal, to forgive, to pour out his love. Some of those things you need to do in your own house. Because you haven't been Christ's ambassador in those who are closest to you. Can I tell you this? 
the light that shines furthest shines brightest at home. If you want to be an ambassador at work, you need to be an ambassador at home. If you want to be an ambassador to those that you are around every single day, you need to be an ambassador at home. Today, I want to challenge you to see yourself the way God sees you. Who are you? You're Christ's ambassador. What are you to do? You have the message of reconciliation, and God wants you to pass it out. Stand to your feet.